Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another edition of Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today we're in our part two series of what I wish someone would have told me. Um, and I have Kathy Bazaar, who has been a guest before, um, and so glad to have you here today, Kathy. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, it's because you did such a great to- job last time, and you make such a great difference in our community. So um, before we get to that, the reason we're doing this series, and Kathy's part of the Addiction Task Force here in Tuscarawas County, um, over the last year, we've been really struggling with how do we provide the community with information, people struggling with addiction, on what are the resources available, what information is out there, and what you wish you would have known or what you wish someone would have told you, say, if you're just kind of struggling with addiction or, I don't know, what, what would you add to that, Kathy? I go back to, like, when I was younger. Okay. Like, what, yeah, what someone would have told me back then, okay. what I was feeling and going through. Okay, very good. Yeah. So that's going to guide our conversation today. Before we get started, though, Kathy, tell us a little bit about your role here in the community. Well, I've been um, asked to be a crisis peer response person. Okay. And Through that the is- pandemic, I have not been able to be out in the community as much as I would like. Um, however, I, you know, I've had, um, a PO reach out to me to, to speak with somebody who's relapsing, but they don't have any program that they're working on. I go to the jail now once a week and speak with the inmates and we just talk about addictions and how we felt and the stuff we've gone through in our lives, but how there is help out there. And my, I like to convey to people is that you're not alone. I just don't want people to feel as though they're alone and there's nobody out here who understands them and wants to help them. So you have a very unique job or position. Um, Tell us about the parameters of what you can do. I could go to the hospitals if there's an overdose. Okay. And that person says, yes, I want help. I can go over there and talk to them, give them the options. I can... um, the police department, they could call me if they had somebody who wants help. And you um, go out with a quick response team as well, correct? Yes, or? I also okay. do that. That's for the people who, who overdose. We go out and see them. I go every other week. But this here is like right on the spot if okay. I can do it. Okay. I'm hoping to get involved more in the jails as well, um, excuse me, the courts. Okay. And be able to, like if a judge is like, you know, They're not going into a program, but here, just talk to this person. Okay. See what your options are. But like I said, I'm pretty limited now, you know? Well, you even um, helped out with the coalition, anti-drug coalition addiction task force that we want to provide information over the holidays at the community food programs. Yes. Um, I went to uh, the food bank, and we have a, a magnet out that's really awesome that has um, all information for Tuscarawas County where people can get help. And I'll tell you, 
that for me brought me back. Okay. You know, there were a lot of families. I mean, I you, they would pull up and you're like, I don't even know how your car started, yeah. you know, and it was it was pretty humbling and uh it was, you know, 350 cars just for that one night. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people out away. there. Oh, a lot of people out there struggling. A lot of people. And even people, I had this one poor lady explaining herself to me. And I was like, you don't have to explain yourself to me. Because her husband lost her job during this. They have two mortgages. They have cars, boats. And she, I said, please, don't, yeah. don't explain yourself. You do not have to explain yourself to me. So there's even people who are on a higher scale sure. that are struggling. It's not just, you know, low income. Right, right, right. And you I know. think the pandemic yeah. has been a leveler of all things. Oh. You know, yes. kind of yes. just shows how difficult things can come anybody's way at any time and yes. change your life on oh, a dime. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to bring that out. Your position allows you to meet people wherever they're at. Yes, and they don't have to be affiliated. I work for, you know, Ohio Guidestone. We don't have to be affiliated. Okay. It could be anybody. And I say that because if someone's listening and, you know, these, this series we're going to do really is um, to have a lot of conversation, but also to point people in to starting points. But if someone's still not even ready for the starting points where we're saying, call the Adams board, go to this agency, they can contact you. Yes, they can contact me. And it, me. it could be someone just willing to speak, kind of. I had someone call me. Okay. Um, and she actually got my phone number from a gentleman in IOP. Okay. He said, call her, she'll talk to you. Nice. Yes. Nice. And then, and then I set her up. She went for counseling and so yeah. if someone would want to get a hold of Kathy, because what you'll find if you hadn't listened to her on the previous podcast, she's just fun to talk to, but easy to talk to, and has a really just compassionate, loving heart with also a lot of experience over the years Yes, from her own addiction to helping people. Yes. Um, yeah. So yes. they can reach you how? They could, uh, they could call me. Okay. Um, I always have to stop and think about this telephone number. Um, it's, is it Ohio Guidestone? Yeah, it's Ohio Guidestone, but I have a cell phone that's out there. My card's out there. I have a flyer out there for okay. peer, peer crisis response. And, um, my phone number is 216-317-9167. Okay, perfect. Thanks for sharing that with us. So Kathy, let us just start with the premise of the series, what I wish someone would have told me. Um, and I think you indicated when you first started talking, does that take you back in time? Oh, yes. It definitely takes me back in time. Because I always say this when I tell my story. And pe people say, yeah, I felt the same way. Okay. Felt like I never fit in. But I didn't share that. I didn't know how to express that when I was a kid. So what ages are you talking that you realized I'm talking I didn't? young, like first grade, second grade. Okay. You know, um, I just always felt on the outside looking in. Okay. And um, and when you say that, and so many people say to me, I felt the same way. It's just something that wasn't discussed. Okay. You know, because how, how do you relay that when you're a kid? So you do know? you think if you had that conversation when you were younger and said, 
you know, I just don't fill in. And someone made that a normalized thing. It might have sat a little bit better with you or do you? Oh, yeah. So that I would have felt, you know, I always kid around, say, Abby, normal. I get that from young Frankenstein. Um, But anyway, like, I would have felt a part of. Okay. I I even compared myself to my siblings. Okay. You know, and I always thought they were smarter than me, did better than me. They had their act together better than me, you know, okay. and had no idea what they were. They were going through their own stuff, but I didn't see that. You know, when I walk around my neighborhood and would look into the windows of houses and say, wow, is that how life really is? is so this is something you thought homes? about a lot. Oh, I thought about a lot okay. when I was a kid. Because I'm 12 years old and I'm walking the streets at night, mm-hmm. you know. I now, was that out. because of what was going on in the family at the time? Yes, we call it our unsupervised days. Okay. And, um, yes, because I was living with my father at the time. And, yeah, there was no curfew. There was, yeah. So I would. I would sit out on the curb. I would walk around because I didn't have anybody to hang out with at that time. They were all home where they should have been. Okay. You know, so, yeah. So dad was raising how many kids? At that particular time, I believe there was, there was, yeah, there was five of us. Okay. And then it was four and then. So he had his hands full. Yeah. Yeah, he had his hands full. I I say it like that because he was, I I loved him. He was, uh, he was a good guy. Okay. But he couldn't handle responsibility. So he expected us to do what we were told and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was no discipline until he blew probably no real parenting happening. No, there was you no were figuring no. it out. Oh yeah. It was like yeah. Okay. So one of the things you said already that I'm just gonna kinda jump off on is um Ohio Guidestone has um a prevention department that provides school based prevention education. And it really starts in most districts around fourth grade. Yes. Um this year in one of the districts we're really working with kindergarten first and second. And if you have a if you're a parent and you have a child in that program, you will get newsletters after every time a facilitator works with your young person, and you'll hear "talk to your kid, talk to your kid, talk to your kid." Here's how to talk to your kid on these issues, and I think you just really kind of expose something that's so important. Um, our kids need to learn how to express feelings, have conversations about those things they're thinking about. And it makes me think every time we do a lesson on alcohol use for fourth graders, I cannot tell you the, the immediate response we have a four, from a fourth grader is they worry about their parents drinking. Now, it's legal for an adult to consume alcohol, but their little brains just don't know what to do with that because they view, they might view alcohol is bad or, you know, there's a lot of perceptions that they have in their little heads around alcohol. And then they worry about their parents. So, you know, we just encourage adults have conversations on this issue with your kids. And here's some talking points. Here's some appropriate age appropriate conversations. And what it does, it allows those kids to stop worrying or focusing on those things that they just need to to have conversation around. So I think it's important when you were saying, I don't fit in, I don't fit in. So if parents can learn to kind of have some conversations around some of these subjects, young people can start to 
explore what they're feeling and realize, is this normal? Or maybe this, this might not be, and maybe we might need to go get an assessment or, you know, work with a counselor or something. I, I was going to say too, and if you're a family that does have alcoholism in the house, still don't be afraid to talk to them. Because I worried um, the, the period of years that I lived with my father, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nine years old and okay. I'm not going to sleep because I know he's going to fall asleep with a cigarette in his hand. Okay. You know, and it's get the pot of water, put, throw it on the mattress. Um, a nine-year-old shouldn't be worried about that. Sure. sure. Um, but it became normal for me that I worried about that. And we never discussed it. You know, we never discussed it. I just would know it. And that, you know what I'm saying? And that's a stuff. So that's a stuff I wish somebody would have said to me. If he would have even said, I know I shouldn't drink and go to bed and have a cigarette in my hand. But when you're in denial about your use, sure, it's hard. You know, I mean, he, he used to say he drank to go to sleep. You know, he was all upset over the divorce. Okay. So you end up feeling sorry for the guy. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, so, right. But like I say, as a kid, I wish those kind of things would have happened. You know, like right. there was such a stigma on being an alcoholic. Okay. Back, you know, I'm older, you know, but probably even today because people are hiding it. Sure. They're ashamed of themselves. You know, that's the stuff I wish you would know. Like, still talk to your kids about it anyway, because they do worry. They take on that parental role. They really do. Yes. And, and, I, and I did that. I certainly did that. And then when I went to go live with my mother, when I was uh, 14 or 15, then I became, the, I did the other role of making, emotionally, she was okay. <laughs> she didn't drink. But I had the other because of the guilt and shame she was feeling of not taking us kids and all that stuff. And, yeah, you know, and as you yeah. get older, you see that stuff. But that was the stuff. Or even as I was young, to know that alcohol is a disease. That because of how it was rampant on both sides of my family, that if I drink, I'm going to become one of them. You know, but you don't know that. Did you not hear that until oh, after? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And part of the research wasn't there at that yes. point. We didn't yeah. know it as well as we probably right. know today. Because we didn't know about Alcoholics Anonymous either, that there was a book out there that tells you right in there that yeah. it's an allergy, that it's a disease. I personally believe in that because I've seen different side effects in my family from alcohol. Okay. Either the ones that drink like crazy or the ones that have a physical reaction. So things I wish someone would have told me. When you were very young, it was just the things were normal or not normal, right? Or yes. um, would it have been that there are people to talk to or that you could have spoken to? I mean, did you even have that ability in your life? Anyone, grandparents or anyone at, I don't know, no. teacher uh, no. or anything? Um, I mean, I was raised a Catholic, but gosh, I didn't talk. That stuff okay. went, went on in this house, stayed in this okay. house. Okay. And then when they split up, unfortunately, it was for schools and whatever, you played that victim role. Okay. Living with this guy, all these kids, poor us. So for 
anyone listening out there, would the advice on that portion be to not be afraid to have conversations around these issues? Exactly. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, please talk to the kids and don't feel ashamed because they already know. Yeah. They know something's not right. Okay. And they're worried. So, yeah, it's okay to talk to them and let them know that it's your problem, not theirs, that you okay. want them to be a loving kid and you want have to- fun and yeah. and not take on my 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 stuff because it's not theirs. It's not theirs to take. Okay. That's great. So to have conversations, yes. make these boundaries and relationship roles yes. pretty clear. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then you get into the teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> and you wish you would have heard, look, if this is in your bloodstream, yes. don't touch it. Don't touch it. Okay. Because I was already off and running when I was a teenager. Okay. I was already, yeah, I was. I was drinking every weekend. What age did you start drinking? Every weekend? Yeah. 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is if you're listening, those that, that do drink here in our county, age of initiation is around 12 or 13. So the majority of kids are not consuming alcohol, but those that are are, are starting at these really young ages. Yeah. Because um, we've been exposed earlier. I said I was that kid that probably went around... When my sister gave me a beer at eight years old and said, here, you can have this. Don't tell them I had a party. Yeah, and your story, like you kind of blacked out on that very first time, right? Or you Not with that one okay. can when I was drinking out of a pitcher of beer. Yeah, okay. I had a blackout. I was eight years old. That, that's Eight years old. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. You look at an eight-year-old today, I'm like, <gasps> when my daughter turned eight, I remember going. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. And at nine, you start experimenting with cigarettes and so things you wish people would have told you is if it's yes. biological, it's probably in your system or there's a good chance. The younger you start, the greater chance of addiction. And the worse it will get. The worse it will get. And that's why we lose so many young people to this disease. Because we don't stop at alcohol. Yeah. We don't stop at alcohol. Because that hole gets bigger and bigger. And... If you if you don't understand it, so it's almost like if families would get educated so they can tell their loved ones, their young ones, like, you know, we love you, but look at this is what you need to do for you because, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, it's sad. It's just sad. Like I said, because that the more we use, the worse we feel. And then people say, but if you love me, if you love your kids, if you love has nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with love. We do it because we have a, an addiction. Now, I know you work with people that are using. Yeah. Do you ever hear, because I'm getting this more and more from like that 20-something age group. Yeah. You know, they're smoking pot to feel better. And I keep trying to say, look, as soon as you start using substances to feel better quickly, that shifts on you. Do you? Of course. But it's like drinking. Drinking's legal. Yeah. And now that they're making, you know, uh, cannabis legal, it's, they'll say, they. and I remember doing this, it's not as bad as, it's not as bad. I'm not doing my drug of choice. I hear that conversation all the time. I'm not doing my drug of choice. This alcoholic addict, I cannot smoke pot. 
because I'll want more. Eventually, I'm going to want more. I know that. I know yeah. that about myself. And they do too. Okay. Because even I've had clients who said, I smoked, or they took some legal stuff, you know, like Kratom. Yeah. And then they said, but then I drank. I said, yes. Kind of yes. how that happens. Yeah. Kind of how that happens. That's <laughs> what goes on. But they, at a young age, they don't believe it because they're not being educated on it. No one's saying. No one's talking. Yeah. You know. And I always say, we can provide a lot of education in the schools. Oh, but that's only one one area, and it really needs to come from family. It needs to come from the home. Yeah, it really it needs does. To come from the home. But like I say, if it's in the home, just please don't feel that guilt, shame, and remorse. Because, <laughs> you, have, you know, we have that problem of feeling that way, and then we, then we don't talk about it. But kids need to hear it. Teenagers need to hear yeah. it. Our young adults need to hear and it. And I think... This generation really just wants us to be authentic. And oh. I mean, they've seen so much on TV and movies and music videos. There's nothing we're going to tell them that they probably haven't seen. Um, and like you said, they know something's wrong already. So you still have that ability, even if you're in an active addiction, to say, I don't want this for you. Or, you know, this is not the life I would have chosen for myself, but I'm addicted. And... And you can probably even say, and this kind of what took me down this path, yes. correct? Yeah, okay. this is right. Um, because no one talked to me. Okay. No one told me that I was good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. I always say that to people. Because we don't feel that. Okay, we just got to stop there. I think if we say anything today, what I wish someone would have told me, it was that you had intrinsic worth. Yes. And value. Yes. And Kathy was perfectly made at a young age. Do we mess up? Do we screw up from time? Absolutely. But you were designed in a way that you bring joy and, and laughter and you're great at relationships and you needed to hear that. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, but I needed to, to be told that I was worthy, that I was a good person. So every single person out here, that's listening, we all can be part of the solution here for substance use by telling anybody, whether it's that young person, <laughs> whether just any anybody. young person, you have worth, you have value, you matter. And I'll tell you, in the midst of this pandemic, we see more suicide attempts oh. at all age groups. So this isn't just for our young people. I think this is for Everyone. all of us. We need to yeah. acknowledge, hey, thank you for what yeah. you said or what you did or yes. the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think we just hit the big takeaway. What we wish someone would have told us is that we have worth and value. Yes. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. I think we can kind yes. of wrap up on this one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, like I said, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Well, Kathy, um, and for our listeners, we're going to continue to bring you in and out of our podcast on this particular segment because we're going to have young people, we're going to have older people, different viewpoints and addiction treatment because I think there's so much around what I wish someone would have told me oh. to just educate our community and help people and families get the resources that are out there that can help. Um, 
So we're going to bring you back in and out just because you have a neat role in the community and you're well-connected in the recovery community. Um, so I thank you for coming. And I hope people remember, talk and acknowledge people's worth. And what else? Anything else um, you want to wrap up on? And if you're struggling, you have worth as well. And people do care about you. And you don't have to live that way. And you're not alone. Just reach out. Amen. Very fun. Kathy, thanks again for coming. And listeners, thanks for sticking with us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.